Hello and good evening, redeemed family and friends. It is my pleasure and delight to be with you on this evening. I certainly want to praise God for our pastors, Bishop and Lady James F. Harris, for our leaders and elders, for the redeemed family and everyone in their respective places. I'm excited about sharing with you on tonight. The title of the lesson is, Can You Stand to be Blessed? Let me read the scripture text, the primary scripture, then we'll pray and we'll dive right in, okay? The scripture text comes from the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 20, verse 48b. Luke, chapter 12, verse 48b. And it reads, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. Let us have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for yet another opportunity to come before your people. Lord, we decrease that you might increase. Father, we ask that you have your perfect way, Lord. Let your words come forth with power, authority, and boldness, Lord. Meet the needs of the people in the name of Jesus. Let your perfect will be done, Lord. We'll be certain to give your name all praise, honor, and glory. We thank you for it now, and we count it done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So can you stand to be blessed? And so when we look at this title and we talk about the word stand, we can look at that word stand in three different ways. One way when we look at the word stand is can we sort of manage the load or the weight that's underneath the blessing? Some examples of that would come from Luke 16 and 10 that says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Another example might be in James 1 and 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be complete and lacking nothing. And then 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, and this greatly rejoice, though not for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So one way of looking at this word stand has to do with whether or not we are able to stand under the weight, if you will, of the many blessings that our Lord and Savior has for us. A second way to look at the word stand has to do with the whole position or posture, if you will. And when we talk about that, standing means somewhat kind of standing our ground and engaging in a little bit of warfare. And we've talked about this type of standing before. We can see that in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, 10 through 13, as it reads, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And it lets us know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts and wickedness in heavenly places. So again, that second way of looking at stand could have to do with our posture, our position, how we wore. And even with standing, we're actually fighting from a place of victory, if you will. We're not fighting from a place of defeat. We're fighting from victory. We do not fight for victory. We're fighting from victory because Christ has already done a finished work. That's the second way that we could look at that word stand. The third way, and this is the place where I'd like to spend a good chunk of um, the Bible study lesson today, 
The third way that we can look at that word stand has to do with a particular way with or considering dealing with something or considering something. It has to do with the attitude or the approach that we take to it. And so tonight I'd like to really hone in on the attitude or the approach, if you will, that we take to being blessed. Amen. And so then looking back at Luke 12 and 48, the attitude and the approach that we take to being blessed says that we've been given much. So I want to take a moment and just expound about on what we've been given. The other thing that highlights in that text is, and much is required. And I want to talk about some of those things that are required. And then the last little component is that they will ask the more. And I want to talk about operating in the more. So for starters, let's go ahead and dive in and talk about, you know, much is given. And so because much is given, that attitude or approach that we want to have when we're looking to be blessed or standing to be blessed is we want to have that spirit of thanksgiving and that um, spirit of appreciation. And you might say, well, Jessica, why are we opening up with the spirit of thanksgiving and appreciation? Well, I just alluded to it. Christ did the finished work on Calvary and because he did the finished work. He actually said on the cross, it is finished. He wrought an amazing victory. One of the greatest victories that have ever been wrought in history without physically attacking the enemy, but just by surrendering and falling in line with his purpose and his plan, by surrendering to the will of God. And so because he was able to do that, now he has all power and all authority in his hand. And not only that, he's brought that victory and he's laid it at our feet. And he's saying to us that he is willing to work for us. We are not necessarily working for Christ. He is willing to work for us. And to me, that is an incredibly big deal. When I think about God from glory being willing to work for me, it just speaks to the magnitude and the amazement of the almighty God. How do we know he's willing to work for us? In Philippians 2 and 13, he says, for it is God who works in you both to weep and to do according to his good pleasure. So again, when we talk about standing to be blessed, that attitude or that approach that we have as we're looking for the Lord Jesus Christ to do some great things for us, we first want to have this attitude of appreciation and of thanksgiving. And we're so appreciative and thankful because he's saying, God, not only did you write the victory, not only did you, you, you get the victory, but you decided that you then would come and work on the inside of me to enable me to do those things that according to your good pleasure, what a mighty God we serve. Um, Paul said it this way in Galatians 2 and 8. He said, for God who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. And again, what I want to stress here is that Christ is working on our behalf. He is working for us. Yes, God from glory, who did what no other person could do, what nobody else could do. This is the same God that's working on our behalf. So when we talk about our approach or our attitude or standing to be blessed, the first thing we want to do is make sure we have a spirit of thanksgiving and appreciation. And John 1 and 12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become sons of God, if you will 
to those who believe in his name. We are just so thankful that he chose us, that he preordained us, he predestined us, he adopted us into this sonship, if you will, according to his good pleasure, not because we were so great, but because he chose us. Again, when we're standing to be blessed, we want to have that appreciation of thanksgiving. Lord, I didn't do anything to deserve it, but you chose me just because you were able to for pure election's sake. In addition, we're redeemed through his mighty blood and him having predestined according to his plan, who works out everything in conformity to his purpose and his will. We have a lot that we can be thankful for. And Matthew says, assuredly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth, I'm going to bind. That's what God said. Whatever you lose, I'm going to lose. At the end of the day, as we're standing to be blessed, one thing, one posture, one approach that we want to make sure we have is, Lord, thank you. You've done so much for me. If you don't do another thing, you've already done enough. And not only did you walk the victory for me, but my God, then you came and stood up on the inside of me to enable me to do those things that work according to your good pleasure. While it is a fixed victory all the way, as long as I don't cancel him out. So as we're standing to be blessed, the first thing we want to make sure is that we're very, very thankful that we have this approach or attitude of appreciativeness. And then the last thing in this area is that he's also given us this type of rest. That's why we're so thankful. Matthew eleven twenty eight. he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What do you mean rest? He will refresh us. He will renew us. He will allow us to take rest. He will help us to be able to keep quiet, even in the midst of the storm. He'll help us to be able to praise his holy name, even when things don't look like. This is why the 23rd Psalm is so wonderful. The Lord is indeed my shepherd. I shall know no one. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I shall fear no evil. Why? because thou art with me. Thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And my cup runneth over. I submit unto you once at night. When we want to stand to be blessed, if you will, that attitude or position we want to have is we want to have one of thanksgiving. We have been given much. Back to Luke 12, 48. For everyone to whom much is given, and hopefully by now, you can join in with me and say, yes, yes, yes. If I'm a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, if he lives on the inside of me. If I am called by his name, then yes, I have been given much. And when you look at that word in the Greek text, it means plenteous, overflow. We have been given much. And because we have been given much, we want to be thankful. That's how we can stand to be blessed. We want to make sure we're appreciative and we're thankful and we're singing his praises. Amen. That second part, he says, for everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And so um, what is required of us is that we have to do the same thing that Christ did. We're thankful. We're appreciative. Certainly we we cannot get the victory that Christ did. But what Christ did in John 12, 23 and 24, this is what he said. He says, the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. This is how he glorified. This is how the son of man was glorified. Verse 24, John 12, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And verse 25, he who loves his life will lose it. 
And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. What a wonderful example of this second thing that we want to do. And that's that what the much is required. What is required is that we have to be like Christ. What did Christ say? If, if we want to bring glory to Christ, then we too must die. Not necessarily a physical death, but we must let our soul man die. As we are standing to be blessed and we understand that much has already been given to us, just as Christ said, he died and he wanted to bring glory and glorify the son's name. How can we do that? We also must let our grain of wheat fall into the ground so that it can be planted and so that a lot of great offspring can spring up and sprout out from what God God is doing on this inside of us. How do we know that we're dying? Romans 12, one through two says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service. And then he goes on to say, and do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. Now, mind you, we praise God that he's done so many wonderful things for us, but most of us were not born saved. Most of us were not just born in Christ. And so we then have this mind that has to be renewed, if you will. When you look at that word conform, this word conform means to be fashioned in the shape of, literally to look like, if you will, the picture or the image of. So when in Romans and it says, be not conformed to this world, what that means is, God knew that we were born in this world. We've experienced lots of things, hurts, disappointments, rejections, all of those things we've experienced. But what he is saying is you cannot conform to that. You cannot start to identify yourself based on the things that you have experienced because now that you are in Christ and you have been given much, here's some things that are required of you. And what is required is that you be transformed, if you will, in the renewing of your mind. And when we are allowing Christ to transform our mind Oh my God, when we start to see things the way that Christ sees things, when we don't fall for the false advertisement or for the fake out, then we are really able to do great works, greater works, which is where we're going. And they'll ask for much more. Greater works are we able to do when we are able to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to transform and renew our minds. It said slightly differently in this way. It says that from a renewing perspective and with the mind, I want to just talk about this, you know, what happened with Christ at the Garden of Gethsemane. It actually means, Gethsemane means oil press. And so when we talk about being able to renew our minds and being conformed and things of that nature and having a clearer shape, we must understand that in having that position and that posture, understanding that attitude that we want to be like Christ, just like Christ experienced some things, we too must experience some things. Just like Christ had some things that he prayed, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass, but nevertheless, not your will, but my will be, not that, not my will, but thy will be done. We too must say that, Lord, I don't like this thing, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And this is what we're talking about, where we want to be conformed to Christ. We don't want to be conformed to the world. And we want to let our mind be renewed in Christ Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter four and verse 23 says, and be renewed 
in the spirit of your mind. And when we talk about being renewed and the transforming of the mind, trans actually implies movement. Uh, some of the words that uses trans as a prefix is transport, translate, transact, transition. And in this light, transform would imply moving the form of. On a deeper level, it means moving from one form into another. Uh, similar to like a tadpole would move from its form of being a tadpole into moving into the form of being a frog. Or like a caterpillar would move from being a caterpillar into a butterfly. And I submit onto you on tonight, no matter what may have disfigured you, no matter what may have disfigured me and God and with his power, we are able to be transformed. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We know that he said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That's why we say and pray the prayer let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Psalms 143.10, teach me to do your will. Lead me in your way. Your right is good. At the end of the day, we must allow this transformation to take place. This is how we become Christ-like. When we have the spirit of thanksgiving, that's the much that's been for all that's been given to us. But then on top of that, we also must become Christ-like. That is what is being required of us. We must die to ourselves. We must die to ourselves. Just as Romans said, I beseech you that you become a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. I tell you, I believe the enemy had no idea that by Christ dying on the cross, that he was being able to wrought such an amazing victory. Likewise, we too, as we stand to be blessed, we must be like Christ. We must learn to have let our bodies be a living sacrifice. That's how we wrought the greatest victories. That we can do some amazing damage to the kingdom of darkness if we would let our bodies be a living sacrifice and if we would allow our minds to be renewed. Amen. Only the spirit of God knows how to renew the mind. Uh, new man doesn't necessarily mean something more recent in time, but it does talk about a different quality and a different nature. So again, we want to be Christ-like. That's, that's, the, that's the much is required. It is required that we be like Christ if we want to stand to be blessed. There is this struggle, though, that's on the inside of many of us with our own self-perception. And, you know, generally our perception of ourselves is really affected by the people around us. Even the folks who say, it don't matter to me what nobody say. It does. It does. There was one researcher, his name was Cooley. He talked about the looking glass self. And basically what this means is that when we look in a mirror or if we look in a glass, typically we think we see us. But actually, most of us see what other people say about us. It is based upon or constructed based on who we are and the bias that we believe others see in the characteristics and attributes that they see. For example, we may look in the mirror and see, oh, I'm funny. But we think we're funny because based on somebody else having laughed. Or we might look in the mirror and see a leader, but we think we're a leader because we saw somebody following. We have to be careful about that. We have to be careful by allowing anybody other than our father to help identify who we are. So when we look in the mirror, what we want to see looking back at us is the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to see the word of God looking right back at us. We want to see exactly what Christ says about us. I'm reminded of Christ when he was walking with his disciples and he actually asked his disciples, whom do men say that I am? 
him. And they said, oh, some say you're Elijah, some say you're this, and some say you're that. But then he went one step further and he asked them, who do you say that I am? Now I submit unto you, Christ already knew who he was. And he was asking that question because he wanted to make sure they knew who he was. For us on today, as we're trying to make sure that we become Christ-like, we've got to know who we are in Christ Jesus. And we cannot allow others to define us. We cannot allow our situations, those hurts, those pains, those rejections, those things that we've had in the past, those things cannot prevail in our lives. We cannot let those things have the louder say, if you will, with what we do and how we conduct ourselves. But we must let the word of God stand strong on the inside of us. Psalms 107.20, if there are some areas like that in our lives, we want him to send his word in to heal us and deliver us from those types of things. Matthew 8 and 8b says, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. At the end of the day, Ephesians 5 and 26 says that Jesus cleanses by the washing of the water by the word. And so as we are looking to become Christ-like, we must then go back to the word. Our bishop preached on Sunday, did such an amazing job. Whose report are you going to believe? Well, if you haven't heard the report of the Lord, it's hard to believe it. If you have not heard the report of the Lord, it's hard to believe the report of the Lord. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And sometimes we're busy hearing all types of things, but not necessarily the word of God. And so when we want to become Christ-like, we want to make sure that when we look in the mirror, we see the word looking back at us. And one way that we can do that is be allow the washing of the water by the word. So for us, we want to turn on the faucet. We want to turn the faucet on high. We want to ease our minds down into the sussy warm water of profound truth. We want to gently wash away every limitation. We want to wash away any residue of past obstacles. And we want to gradually, luxuriously transform into this refreshed, renewed person that Christ has created us to be. We are indeed more than a conqueror. And whenever someone tells us that we can't do something, we can't get to attain something or something. We can say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I have Christ on the inside of me. And unlike me, he is not limited by physical abilities. Unlike me, he's not governed by time. He is creator of all things. Amen. And he has been known to alter circumstances so that my weakness can also be my strength. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Nevertheless, he will allow anything that happens in my life to work for my good. And then I can say that don't matter what you think at this point, because when I look in that looking glass mirror, I want to see the word of God looking back at me. I want to hear the confirmation of the Lord Jesus Christ saying, well done, my good and my faithful servant. So as we are standing to be blessed and asking ourselves, can I stand to be blessed? And once we appreciate that much has been given to us, Christ has given very much to us. The next thing we want to know is that much is required. And what is required of us is death. And we're talking about a sacrifice from a bodily perspective so that we can now die to self and allow Christ to rule in our lives. We can let the mind of Christ lead and guide us. When we are able to have a spirit of thanksgiving and we're able to let the word of Christ and let the spirit of Christ lead and guide us. I think there's a scripture that says, as many who is led by the spirit, these are the sons of God. And Acts 17, it says, in him we live and move and we have our being. These are important things when we want to consider the attitude, when we look at the approach that we have as we're trying to move forward and stand to be blessed, if you will. This last attribute of the, our primary text, again, Luke 12, 48b, for everyone to whom much is given, for him much is required. 
and to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. And so when you say, what do you mean by asking the more? Well, this just has to do with believing the report of God, my bishop said, operating in what Christ says. Even if Christ does us like he does Ezekiel, take us to this dry valley where there are these dry bones. In those dry valleys, it might he might ask us, can these bones live? We want to do just like he did and say, God, only you know. We recognize that even with our best efforts, we have only scratched the surface of understanding from our Lord Jesus Christ. When we start to operate in the more, when we start to operate in the more, we understand that fear is basically a mind killer. Because when we're starting to do things that are outside of our natural minds, that were comprised based on our worldly view, then we start to sometimes want to draw back, if you will. But we understand that some of that drawing back has to do with fear. Some people say fear is false evidence appearing real. Others say fear is a mind killer. And I submit unto you that fear has everything to do with faith or the lack thereof. It's not uncommon that we have some fear, but we have to fear the fear and move anyway, if you will. And so we want to make sure that as we are operating in the more, that we're doing the greater works, that we allow God to come forth through us in a mighty way. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 tells us, trust in the Lord with all that heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall then direct our paths. John 14 and 12 says, most assuredly I say unto you, he who believes in me, whose report are you going to believe? The works that I do, he will do also in greater works. We've been called to greater works. Look, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. In these times, in these days, in this situation of lack, God is in need of some Christ, some ambassadors to go forth, if you will, to show forth the glory of God and to share what Christ has done for us. We do indeed want to believe the report of the Lord. Second Corinthians 4 and 17, as we are looking to do greater works, there's some words of encouragement. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. And sometimes, sometimes it looks like the outward man is perishing, but the inward man, it says, is being renewed day by day. Hallelujah. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Therefore, we want to do just like Habakkuk did. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. We want to write the vision. We want to make it plain. And though it tarry, we want to wait for it because it will surely come. It will indeed come. It will not tarry. So on tonight, I want to thank you for your time. And I want to just reiterate, and I want to ask the question, can you stand to be blessed? If you can stand to be blessed, then you want to make sure you first come before God with an amazing spirit of thanksgiving and appreciation, understanding all that he's done for us, that we are operating from a position of victory already. And then with that, we understand that what is required of us is to be Christ-like, which means we now must die to ourselves. We must allow our will 
to come in line with Christ. We don't want to compare ourselves to other people in the world. Comparison is the thief of joy. God may have given somebody else a gift in an area and didn't give it to me. And if I'm busy doing the comparisons, then my joy starts to go missing, if you will. But we want to keep our eye on Christ, just like Jesus did, who for the joy of the Lord endured the cross, despising the shame. And now he's seated at the right hand of God. We also want to make sure we control some of that noise. Be careful what we take in. Let's make sure we spend time taking in the word of God. Whose report are we going to believe? Do we listen to those reports? Do we hear the word of God? And we also want to recognize that we are evolving indeed. We are evolving. We have not yet arrived, but we believe in God for victory. We believe in God for full healing, full completion. We believe in God for total restoration. We believe in God for every promise that he's given to us. And in closing, my prayer for you and for me is similar to the prayer that Paul had prayed. He says, do not cease to give thanks, making mention of um, one another in prayer. But our prayer is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you and to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our understanding might be enlightened, that we might know what is the hope of his calling, that we might know what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. This is the same power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head of all things, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all. You pray my strength in the Lord.